surprise this is a special edition of the 423 soccer pod we're just going to call this episode 7.5 or because we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the cosmos maybe 7b since they for some strange reason refer to themselves as the new york cosmos b b b the b team but what our intent uh, is to do for is what our intent with the, with this kind of series of, of podcasts and this this segment of the podcast will be to talk to those folks who follow our next opponent um, to give them an opportunity to talk to us about the teams uh, the team that they support maybe some of the players to watch some of the tactical um, some of the tactical formations that they employ and how they play. So we talked a little bit with John Frusciante, who is the host of the First Team podcast, a podcast that's, that covers all things New York Cosmos. John's been doing this for about four or five years, and uh, I would uh, encourage you to go out and listen. Uh, he has some really good interviews, covers a little bit about kind of the, the team. And so we talked with him about uh, the upcoming um, Members Cup and the match that we have with uh, the New York Cosmos. So we're going to go into that interview. Before we go into that, Todd, was there anything that you wanted to to touch on? No. Uh, uh, oh, no. no. No? Okay. So, <laughs> <clears throat> so we'll, we'll go uh, right into that interview, and we'll be back right after we speak with John from the First Team Podcast. All right, welcome back, y'all. I'd like to welcome to the podcast a podcaster that's worked with the Cosmos for the past several years. And as you know, the Cosmos are CFC's next opponent. I'd like to welcome uh, John Frusciante from the uh, from the First Team podcast. Um, John, how are you doing, and how are things in New York? I'm doing well, and everything in New York is doing well as well. So we're all doing good. All right, that's great. So uh, you want to just start off a little bit and and get your thoughts on, you know, what you thought about like kind of the Cosmos overall season and then maybe, you know, thoughts on that final. Yeah, I think a lot of fans um, think that like Cosmos supporters that that, uh, we think highly of ourselves, but like we have a professional team and we care to players, right? So I think the expectation is that we should always win the final or we should be in, in the final and have a chance at winning it. Um, and over the past couple of seasons, even in the NPSL, the NASL, we lost the final. Um, so yeah, it was disappointing. Um, but I think it was better than last season that we didn't get beat in the regional final. I think last season we got beat by FC Motown. Um, and, uh, this season we, um, went to the final, which is great, but we ultimately lost the final to Miami FC, which is another professional club. Um, and they're joining Nisa in the fall, I believe. So, um, yeah, it was disappointing, but we look ahead to the Members' Cup, which I think is exciting as well. The last time you guys won a championship, was that under uh, Gio Savarese? Was he still the coach there? Yeah, I think so. It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. 
Yeah, um, I was say, he's been at uh, he's been in Portland for a few years at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he left. Yeah, Jeremiah Teresa. He left after we got desanctioned. Um, so right when we played in the NPSL in our first season, it's called New York Cosmos B. But I keep telling a lot of the listeners and, and and supporters that it's our first team, even though it's not by name. Let's say. Um, so yeah, so Carlos Mendez, our former captain, he's the coach at the moment. So, you know, we wanted to talk with you to, to kind of give our, our fans an idea and a feeling for the Cosmos and, and, and what uh, kind of what, the, what their season was like, what your guys' season was like. Could you talk a little bit about what you see the strength of, of your squad being and, and maybe some weaknesses? Yeah, so the strength, I think, it is uh, our attacking side. Uh, like the player to watch out for is both his bloody bondage. Um, uh, he's uh, a veteran, or he, he's not a veteran player, but he's been with, with, with the Cosmos for a long time. He's been with us in the NASL. He played for the B team when we were part of the, the NASL as well. Um, so, yeah, he has great experience in the NPSL, um, playing for multiple clubs, including the Cosmos. Um, and, and I think our weakness is just um, probably as a club not winning big games, which is sad, I think, mm-hmm. um, when they have professional players. Uh, so, like, yeah, the final against Miami FC, not winning that. Um, and for sure, there's going to be important games in the Members Cup. Um, so it's just uh, closing that out. Like, we had home field advantage in the final against Miami FC, and we lost 3-1. So, um, yeah, so, like, players say that anything can happen on the day, and, and I hope it gets better over time in the Members Cup. Well, I would say that's that's the definite truth because it's not every day you see a a, play, a player, uh, you know, the quality of Danny Zatella, you know, mm-hmm. lose two balls in the middle of the field that that go right to goals. I mean, that's that's very yeah. unusual, especially in the you know playing at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some players have off days, right? Um, but you you don't want your top players to have off days during the final. So it's sad, and I know Danny Zatella came out and said that. He let his players down, and he let the team down, and that's sort of great to hear that he's honest. Um, but you don't want your players to be that down in the dumps that uh, this weekend we have to play Chattanooga FC in the Members Cup in Chattanooga. So we don't want to be that down to the point where we're going to lose a couple of games in, in the Members Cup. So another player I was really impressed with, and, I, and maybe you know, you, you, I'm sure you, you've seen more of him than I, than I have, was a, a goalie. Um, he, he was, mm-hmm. he really created a lot of problems for Miami down. I guess uh, he plays in the mm-hmm. like the left wing for for New York. Um, is that is that is that primarily the Cosmos kind of style? It looked a lot like they were they wanted the ball in wide spaces and crossing the ball in um, to their forwards and. And you know, I, I think uh, um, is it Acosta? Is that one of the one of the player, one of the forward players? Um, yeah, and, uh, Acuna. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, Acuna. Okay. Um, yeah. And is so is that is that a is that something a, a has has that been a style of play for New York this season? Yeah, in the final, a goalie was going on the left side and just putting those crosses in, but you want your your forwards to sort of get on the end of those balls, right? Yeah. Um, so. Hopefully, he's had more success um, in future games in the stuff. Well, he he, I mean, he impressed me a lot. I, I you know, I know we've yeah. uh, we've got. I think on our right side, we have a, mm-hmm. a a former center back who is playing right back right now, and um, who is 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 a good player. I have I have no I have no problem with as a player, but 
uh, you know, we have we have had issues with outside speed this year, um, and so I, you know, he's he's a player that caught my eye, and I, I didn't know if that was if that was a typical style of play for the Cosmos or if that was something they saw for Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the Cosmos did this season, and um, it was successful to a point, right? Um, mm-hmm. Against Miami OC. But like I said, you have to get on the end of those balls because we probably could have been winning the game as well. Yeah. Um, if you would have got at the, at the end of the balls, like if Barnes could have been there or Kuna could have been there or anyone else. So, um, like I said, is that we have the players. And I think that's the, the weirdness of sports is that you can put a team together, right? You can be the most competitive team on paper. And then when it goes on the field... Right, you can be paying them, not paying them. It can be a group of college players, right? Um, yeah. They need to come together and um, be successful. And some days, like we saw in, in, in the final, professional players were having an off day. Danny Sotelo was giving the ball away. Um, you got a goalie running down the field, he's putting crosses in, doing that at the end of the ball. So um, I think Carlos Mendes will hopefully um, get those mistakes out in training, hopefully. And hopefully lift the players up, um, so we can be somewhat excited for the members' cup. Mm-hmm. Because, like we were talking um, when we weren't recording, um, that the members' cup is this weekend, and uh, we have players that are sad because we lost the final, but they need to get over that over time. Which some fans would probably say, "How can you get over losing a final?" But you got to move on. Yeah. You really got to move on. It's it's going to be a week after the final. Okay, we lost it. We lost last year's final. We didn't even get to the final. We lost the regional final or something like that, uh, whatever they call it. Um, so, yeah, it's sad, but we need to move on. Yeah. So, you know, Todd and I have talked on, on our podcast, and we have heard from some other fans kind of think about, and I'm of two minds of this. You know, one one thing, you know, CFC has been off for a couple of weeks because we lost in the regional semi. Um, and, yeah. and so we've had a couple of weeks off. We've had some players injured, so they've had some time to rest. Um, but New York has been playing. And so there's, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a, I think about it two ways. One, you know, if you don't play a while, you can lose a rhythm and, and New York has been playing so they could kind of keep that rhythm. But coming, when I thought about this match, I really thought New York was to be coming off a win. So I thought they would, they would be, you know, coming down with a little, with a lot of confidence with momentum. Um, so how do you, how do you see this? You know, how do you see that playing out? I mean, would you rather be a team that had a little bit of time off uh, that could rest up and and prepare, or would you rather be the team that has been playing and, and kind of keeping that that rhythm going? I think the key part is that the Cosmos have been playing right, and you guys have been resting, which I think is good as well. But our problem might be our mindset, which I think is very important because if you go to Chattanooga still upset that we lost the final. Like we have some quotes from Danny Satella saying that um, he's my thinking about retiring and he's really down about losing and things like that. So if the whole squad feels like that, then I think you guys have the advantage because we're there in person, but our mind's not up there, which um, I don't think is a good thing. Well, you know, you talked about the, the members cup and uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what's coming up next. So what, what well, kind of what are your thoughts about the whole Founders Cup versus Members Cup versus NISA? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I've, you know, I think we've uh, we've heard on your podcast a couple of times, you know, that that you're you're pretty certain, and it really sounds like when you hear the when you hear the club talk that the Cosmos have no real intention of being in NISA anytime soon. So, you know, what what do you think about the Members Cup and and how that all played out, and 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 kind of what do you think about NISA? 
Yeah, so I guess we should start from the beginning, right? The Founders Cup was announced, and this is how I understood it, was that it was supposed to be a chance for independent clubs um, to play a professional season at the time, right? Um, to play a professional season that's not sanctioned by the U.S. Soccer Federation, but sanctioned by the U.S. Adult Soccer Association. And then over time, it's been, well, there's insurance issues or whatever. I think I heard, I don't know how true this is, but I think I saw online that, um, and I think I've been told this, that it has something to do with uh, U.S. soccer telling an insurance company not to insure this new setup. Which, if that's true, that's shocking. Now it's changed from not being that, from being a member's cup, with clubs like uh, Miami FC not joining, um, and a handful of other clubs not joining Members Cup or Founders Cup, and um, they're going to join NISA. You have Oakland Roots that's not joining; they're joining NISA. Um, so, I think Members Cup is a one-off tournament, um, which I think is sad because at first I think it was told as this is a test to see how we're going to do it in 2020. Maybe have more clubs. Maybe add better players or bigger name players, right? Um, and uh, grow out the structure. But um, first team podcast did report that in 2020, the NPSL is going to have a semi-pro or a full uh, semi-pro season. And a lot of people were asking, "What's a full semi-pro season?" Basically, it's a uh, a longer season, um, not a summer season as is at the moment, and. Um, I guess they would pay their players because they can't use college players, right? So um, right. that's where the college Cosmos fall, um, most likely, in my opinion. Because a Cosmos executive um, told me that um, the Cosmos will not join NISA or anytime soon. They, they would not join NISA anytime soon. Um, and this person told me about um, how the NPSL has clubs. And basically what he was trying to say was that they have clubs, they have players, they have the ball, they have fans, they have sponsors. They, they have everything going for them. NISA doesn't have that. They don't have that structure. It's just basically an idea at the moment, right? Um, and yeah, they're adding clubs, they're adding markets, and then eventually they're going to have players. But it's still a unknown. And NISA, right, they pride themselves on not having an expansion fee. But you have to pay an annual fee, which is most likely a couple million dollars, right? So they're pricing out dozens of markets or big markets in the NPSL. Yeah, I thought I thought I, I think this was I mean, it may have been Cardick that made this point when you were speaking with him about NISA that mm-hmm. that it's you know it's one thing to be to to be an open league and to say that you want to yeah. be open, but at some point if you know, if um, we, when we have uh, when we have an organization like USL out there, if if your if your clubs get too successful, and you you have no protection, um, mm-hmm. USL just comes and poaches, and and so you know I, I, he yeah. was talking about how how I think NISA the folks involved with NISA probably felt like you know hey we want to be open but in the current climate in the current structure. I don't know that we can uh, and still protect kind of our investment. So I thought that was a good point um, and, and one that I hadn't really thought about. And it's, you know, again, I, I, t- I spoke with uh, another podcaster in Asheville uh, recently and, you know, and he was lamenting kind of the, uh, there are a lot of MPSL Southeast teams that have gone to USL or they've, they've, they've dropped off and 
that conference mm-hmm. once was once was a, a you know a really fun conference to watch, and now it's it's uh, it's been decimated. And he was thinking they're not going to USL Championship. They're going to what? Uh, formerly the PDL, right? Was that League One? Yeah, League One. Yeah, you, yeah, League. Yes, they're yeah, they're yeah. They've they've gone into they've gone into League One. I think most of them. Um, but you know, he was talking about talking with the ownership group in Asheville, and you know, if MPSL falls apart, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, the only place out there is is USL, and so it's. You know, I, I I thought I thought that was well stated by Cardick, and uh, and if we ever get him on here, I'd like to talk to him about it because it, you know, it's it's one thing to, and I think I think the folks involved in NISA, you know, their philosophy is open; they want to be open. Um, but you know, I think in order to protect yourself in in this climate, you know, you you gotta you gotta close it a little bit. Um, and I so I, I enjoyed that conversation. I thought it was I thought it was spot on. Yeah, the problem is in low division soccer is that you have people on one side saying that they want promotion and relegation, right? And we're not going to get into this argument, right? We'll be all day. But <laughs> um, the the main part or the main point is that you have people that want promotion and relegation, but then you have, I guess, the realistic people that sort of see that low division soccer um, has a closed structure, even the most open leagues. Um, in ideas, right? Like you have NISA who wants to be open. They want to say, we don't have transfer fees. I mean, we don't have expansion fees, but you do have fees that cost a lot of money. That cost millions of dollars, right? You have the NPSL, which I think is 20 grand to join. That's a lot of money for smaller clubs to join at the state league level. You have UPSL, I think it's five grand to join. And then I think even in the NPSL, um, I've been told that it's five grand each year. And I think you need to have a budget as a club. Which is fifty grand and a hundred grand, right? So you're basically pricing a lot of uh, grassroots clubs around the country out of the national, regional, um, or the national amateur league, right? Um, and if we want an open structure, we shouldn't say Club X join NPSL and, and, and write them a twenty thousand dollar check. We should say, well, Club X, you got promoted or somehow they subsidize them to go to that league. You know what I mean? Like, get bigger sponsorships. Like, And that's how we were talking with Cardick, and, and I was trying to tell him that um, he was like, well, the members club, uh, they can have bigger clubs from NPSL join that or, or the new structure next season. But, and a, a lot of the classic clubs were getting mad because I think they thought, this is what Cardick said, was that they thought that there was going to be promotion and relegation through the structures. I don't know why they thought that, if I'm honest. Um, because they have to understand that the NPSL Classic season is a decent structure for different markets, right? Some markets don't want to play longer. They don't have the budget to play longer, right? Um, but then you have bigger clubs in the NPSL, maybe like your Detroit CDFC, your Chattanooga, your Cosmos, maybe your Asheville, right, um, that want to join a longer structure. You and I were talking before we came on air, and you know we can. This is always going to be the conversation, right? About league and and what teams go where, and it's always going to yeah. be a question until U.S. Soccer steps in and actually decides to set up a, a, a structure that actually facilitates the growth of this game and these clubs. I mean, it's an absurd conversation to keep having over and over again. But it seems like you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's it gives us a lot of material. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. U.S. soccer at some point has to be forced 
to step up and, and lead uh, in this country and, and lead, but then get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think the lawsuit is very important. And a lot of people on Twitter, David Given First Team Podcast, hate on, on social media all the time about lawsuits, why we're suing them, Rocco is this, because he's suing people, right? All these lawsuits are crazy, whatever people are saying. So the important part of these lawsuits is that if the NESL eventually gets a resolution and wins the lawsuit, then basically they would strike down the professional league standards, which means that U.S. soccer can't sanction leagues anymore because the PLS dictates um, how much money your owner should have as a net worth for what division, um, stadium size. They even go as far to say how many employees you should have at your club, uh, what title they should have as well, um, ranging from sponsorships to like, uh, communication managers, right? Um, but the weird part about that is that you have rich people that have have that have successful businesses that made them millions of billions of dollars that know how to run a business, and then they're they're investing in a soccer league or a soccer club, and they're being told by U.S. Soccer, you should employ these people, you should do it, you should do that. Well, I think they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Okay, maybe some clubs don't, don't like San Francisco Delta. They can do so well um, in the NASL, but I think most clubs that are sanctioned. Um, by U.S. soccer. I think they know what they're doing. So, Speaking of lawsuits, it, Jim and I have speculated, and, and I know you gave your the reasons, the stated reasons, yeah. as to why Cosmos would not be yeah. going into a uh, NISA anytime soon. How much of that do you think has to do with the lawsuit and keeping the – and one reason that uh, Cosmos maintained the Cosmos B moniker as opposed to just Cosmos? Yeah, so – I guess the reason why I think we're not joining NISA or joining a sanctioned U.S. soccer league or professional sanctioned league um, is because I think Rocco, and this is my opinion, I think Rocco Camiso, the owner of the club, I think he doesn't want to put millions of dollars or he, he doesn't want to waste millions of dollars in a sanctioned league by U.S. soccer because he got burned once with it, right? So he bought a team. He came out and said this. He said, I bought a team. U.S. Soccer accepted that, right? They accepted Rocco to buy the Cosmos and save the NSL. Um, and he said, why didn't they tell me that they were going to be sanctioned on, on September 1st? I think it was 2017. Um, why didn't they tell us that? And he wouldn't have bought the team. <laughs> and I think that's insane for in order to say that, because we're here uh, Cosmos supporters saying, you wouldn't have bought the team if they would have said no, right? If they were to desanction you. Um but yeah, that's my reason, um, because I think he doesn't want to get burned. And probably for sure, he's still spending a couple of million dollars running the show right now in the NPSL with um, players, some staff, office staff, and on the lawsuit, right? Um, so yeah, he's still spending a lot of money, but it's just at a lower level, I would say. He made some comments earlier in the week, uh, something to the effect of, they, uh, I'm assuming that's U.S. soccer, has yeah. caused irreparable damage to both the league and the team. Uh, what did, what yeah. did you make of those comments, and, and how, uh, I guess, how committed to that cause do you think he is? He said when he was interviewed by MSG, which is a, a, a regional sports network that used to show the Cosmos, they show the Knicks here in New York City, 
It's a, basically they're their one-stop shop for New York sports. And um, he was interviewed by them when we were in the NASL. And he said um, that he's going to fight to the last drop of blood. Right? So that was a couple of years ago, and he's still fighting. The lawsuit's still going. Um, but I think the lawsuit, and by them not resolving the lawsuit, the, um, the judges coming out with a ruling, it, it's holding the club back because we're in this weird situation where I think we can't join another league because we're just doing a bare minimum. We're building a team at the NPSL level, and I know a lot of fans might say, well, the NPSL level is great, and I have a club in there, or I support a team. And yeah, it is a great level for a whole bunch of teams throughout the country, grassroots level, right, soccer? But I think the New York Cosmos, and maybe you guys agree with it as well, I don't think the New York Cosmos, as the first team, deserves to play at an amateur semi-pro level against a college player. Because we're paying players. We have a professional roster, and we're going up against semi-pro, some semi-pro clubs, some college teams, basically, and we're beating them badly. You know what I mean? Like, that's insane to sell to people, that we have no, a professional a, team. A couple, a couple of the history that the Cosmos have, I couldn't agree more, needs to be playing, and the ambitions of the owner, the ambitions yeah. of the club, are meant to be playing at, at a much higher level, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, right now, I feel like it's just uh, holding their place and keeping it together, uh, as yeah, best yeah. they can, and uh, but no, uh, and I told Jim this I think maybe last week. I feel like if in a in an open system, I feel like the Cosmos within one to two years would be the most well supported club uh, inside and or let's just say in New York and New Jersey. I, I, yeah, at the moment the Cosmos don't have a marketing budget, right? Rock was a billionaire. It's a marketing budget. Um, people are mad on social media. We can't even get a stream for regular season games, right? So, and you have people on social media pointing out that he owns a cable company, right? Um, Mediacom. <laughs> yeah. So, there's so many things we could do as a club, as a family, as a supporter group, um, as a fan base. Um, but yeah, they're getting a couple thousand people at the very least to a field or they practice next to the field that they play at, basically. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they play at a Nassau County in Long Island field um, that they have their practice facilities there, and they've had their practice facilities there since day one, since the reboot season. So I, I guess they're well-supported there politically, let's say, by the community, but um, it's hard to get to, right? Um, I think the closest train uh, stop and some people outside of New York City might be saying, what are you talking about, John? But, um, yeah, it's all about mass transportation. And if you're not near that, then people are not going um, to your events, really. Or two, we put a final, and no one within the area knew about it, maybe unless you were in Long Island. So, right now, the stadium you're playing at, is it a college stadium? Is that right? It's not a college stadium. I don't believe so. Um, okay. I, yeah, it, it, it's just a public field, I would say it as that. It's, uh, okay. it, it's a county field. Now, so, if I remember correctly, over the past couple of years, you guys had some, was it Hofstra you were playing at? Yeah, basically, Hofstra's like down the road. Okay. It, 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 it's within the same neighborhood of uh, the field that they're playing at, at the moment. Yeah, Hofstra wasn't a bad facility, but I think at the end of the day, they didn't want us there. So, And then we moved to MCU Park, which it was in Cornell in Brooklyn, and uh, uh, it was a much more professional environment. The seats had backs to them, not bleachers. 
Um, because at Hofstra, they had one section. It was, I think they called it like the Mistyel section. And those seats were like $90 per game, let's say. And they had seats with backs and maybe had more benefits than that. But that was the selling point at Hofstra. But at MCU Park, you had seats with backs. It was a more professional environment, probably for the fans and the supporters. At Hofstra, you couldn't even gear in your seats because it was a college um, facility. So at MCU Park, you had that. You had professional concession stands, bathrooms, whatever you want to say, they had it. It was a minor league baseball stadium, so it had great facilities. Um, and, and yeah, MCU Park, I think it held like 7,000, and Hofstra holds like over 12,000. But um, from a supporter standpoint, from a fan standpoint, I, I, I believe I heard someone, if I can remember correctly, in the first couple of seasons, and they were mad that the facilities wasn't that professional. Like, they had bleachers, and I think in New York City, when you're trying to sell a, a, a product, a professional product, to fans, when you have competition, and people probably don't want to admit this, but the Knicks are some competition, right? Because when you compare the Cosmos to mainstream, let's say, New York sports, who's playing at Madison Square Garden, that life stadium with football, right? City Field, the massive stadium for baseball. Then you have NYCFC, that's a Yankee Stadium. So I'm not undermining the Cosmos as a brand and what they're doing on and off the field, but it's just when you're in a big market and probably the biggest city in the country or in the world, you don't have to sort of live up to the hype instead of being in the suburbs and uh, just being there because people like you there or it's an easy field to get. You know what I mean? We, we need to show, we need to puff our chests and show, I guess, the city who we really are, that we're the New York City originals. Um, but I think that's going to happen, hopefully, if the ASL wins their lawsuit. And uh, like you said, if Rocket would invest money, if we had a professional or if we had a program structure, we could probably be in the first division signing top players, playing in our own stadium. You know what I mean? So I think in promotion relegation or in an open structure, the possibilities are endless. And any club can go as far as they want to go if they have more resources than the next team. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen with the lawsuit because I think there's going to be a trial in 2020, um, early 2020. So I don't know if there is a resolution in early 2020, what that even means, right? So say say the NASL wins the lawsuit, how fast of a turnaround can the Cosmos or can a new league pop up or will the NASL pop up again, right? And say... We're going to take the Cosmos. We're going to have Detroit CDFC. We're going to have this team. Because Detroit CFC was going to join the NASL. They were going to join the NASL, I believe, um, because that came out in the court case a couple of years ago. They were going to join, or a couple of teams were going to join if they would have got the injunction, but they never got it, sadly. So that's where we are at the moment. Well, just for the record, I'm, uh, I'm staring across the road at a cow pasture, and I would much oh. rather watch any team play in that cow pasture than to watch the New York New York City FC play in Yankee Stadium. I hate the sight yeah. lines. I hate the field dimension. <laughs> I, I just despise it. <laughs> Nothing against the Yankees. I just hate watching games that are at that at that soccer games at that stadium. Yeah, I hate the Yankees as well. Uh, I'm watching that game. So. <laughs> so so John if um you know you 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 mentioned the the court case and been a possible resolution in in 2020 um what do you what are you thinking and hearing from other cosmos fans maybe the supporter group about you know what where where do you guys want the cosmos to play i mean do you have a preference to where you want to play or is it just 
as long as I have Cosmos games, uh, yeah, I'll be happy. Well, see, there are some fans that I think are mad at uh, the news. Um, I, I wouldn't say it, it, it's official news. It's just what we'll, that person is reporting. I think some fans are are upset that um, we're not going to go to a higher league. Um, let's say, right? They're not going to go to a higher league USA. USL. I don't think USL wants us. I don't think Major League Soccer wants us. So I think if you put it that way, where do we go, right? I think our only option is NISA. But then, like what that uh, Cosmo source told me was that they don't have what the NPSL has. He's yeah. right to a point, right? The NPSL has clubs, has a structure, right? But um, NISA is going to get that over time. I think the one confusing thing about NISA is their schedule, right? Um, is how they announced it, really. Because what is it? it? It's not a split season, right? It's just a fall season. It's just from September to October or something like that. Right. It's it's split up into two seasons. The more you know, if you will, the rest of the it's more in line with the rest of the world with a kind of extended okay. winter break. So okay, it's September to October, winter break, and then it's a uh, fall season. Uh, yeah. Then oh, it's no, spring, it's spring, spring season. season. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But I, okay. my understanding is yeah. it was going to run through like the first of December. You know, MLS runs that late. I think their uh, championship is the first week of December. So, I mean, you could safely run, I think, through the first week of December and then break. You know, my question is, is, is who wants to be playing in the Northeast in February, you know? Uh, but maybe that's one hurdle for the Cosmos. Maybe they don't want to play that long or they don't want to play, say, a European schedule, right? I don't know that for sure. But like you said, who wants to play in the Northeast at that time of the year? Uh, a lot of people are going to watch the Giants play or the Jets play. Um, so, yeah. And then you have a lot of fans saying, well, that's a stupid argument because people support teams in Europe and we support teams in Europe as well. Um, and we would probably be at the stadium if it was cold in December or January, February. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for American soccer, I think it's more of a culture thing. Um, because we're, especially in the NPSL, we're used to playing a summer season. So I don't know how you convert Chattanooga fans and say, come year round, right? Maybe the hardcore fans might come year round, right? You guys might go year round, but I don't know if the casual fans will go year round. I don't know if the casual Cosmos fans will rock up in, in January. You know what I mean? Like, well, we've been I told think that's for a the problem. long time, yeah. you know, we've been told for a long time, right? As fans in the United States that, the American, the casual American fan will not adapt to a European uh, style season. So, you know, that's to yeah. be to be determined. To go back to your point about the credibility of NISA, uh, they have none. Everything they've done has been it hasn't been the branding really hasn't been on point. Uh, communication yeah. with potential fans hasn't been on point. And you know, I've argued that NISA needed the credible teams out of the NPSL. Your Chattanooga's, Detroit, uh, Miami's, and you know, never knew about the. Co- I always assumed that the Cosmos wouldn't go, just because of the lawsuit. But they needed those credible teams out of the NPSL, and the teams in the NPSL kind of needed that sanctioning from U.S. Soccer. So it seemed to be a nice marriage. But I, I tell you, it's been really sloppy getting these two together. Yeah, yeah, I think it's all about the credibility for Nisa. I think over time they will get it, right? I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're going to be successful or not, right? That's up to them, really. Um, and the on the field product, I guess, and what they do in the boardroom. 
see, what happened was they had Peter Wilson in charge, but then he left and he joined Thor and Madison. So I think if they would have had Peter Wilson at the moment, I think a lot of people would have probably joined because he has a track record, right? He was with, he was with Chicago Fire. He was with Indy Eleven. He was uh, the, not the founding member, but he was the first executive, let's say, at uh, Indy Eleven. So he likes building soccer brands and soccer entities, and he's good at it, right? So I think if he was at NISA or still at NISA, I think uh, maybe maybe even the Cosmos would have joined. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I just think they have the credibility to a certain point where they have the sanctioning by U.S. soccer. That's all they have. They have the sanctioning. And, and that's the one thing they have over MPSL Pro, or let's call it uh, Members Cup, and maybe the full 2020 season, um, or the full semi-pro season in 2020. That's the only thing that they have over the MPSL structure is that USL, I mean, it's that U.S. soccer professional sanctioning because all we have is amateur semi-pro sanctioning. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think you can get around paying players, and I think that's probably what they're going to do. They're probably just going to say, hey, we're a semi-pro league, but we're going to pay our player. And I got told this, that some clubs were looking at moving to a higher level, maybe even um, the Members' Cup or the full season next year. And um, the problem is, is that you have clubs that are not paying players. And I think this is the major concern I have with this whole structure, is that it's a great idea, but you have NPSL clubs that are regionalized, and they're regionalized for a reason, because they don't have the budget to travel across the whole country throughout a full season, right? Um, and then they're not paying their players, right? Some, some um, clubs rely on college players. Okay, the Cosmos don't, maybe Miami FC doesn't. Detroit CFC, I believe they have college players, yeah. right? And they have a million-dollar budget. So that's what I'm trying to say is that you have regionalized clubs that want to move up to a higher level, but is the support there? You have Napa Valley. I think Rocco came out and said that they're going to subsidize Napa Valley to travel across the whole country because they're the only West Coast team. So how long can the clubs and how long can Rocco put the money up to put on these matches and say, hey, Napa Valley, you can come to the area city. We're going to subsidize your travel, which is probably a lot, of, a lot of money. I told you guys off the air that the NPSL team traveled, and it, it, it was in the five figures, and they traveled to a, uh, a, a match in their region, which is insane. And um, it could have easily been a day trip. So imagine Napa Valley traveling from, from uh, the West Coast to, to, to New York City or traveling to, to another market. That's my concern is... Yeah, is this sustainable? Is it sustainable to say big club for NPSL? It doesn't matter if they're a big club or not because Detroit CFC has a million dollar budget, but it's just they have to travel across the whole country now. They didn't have to do that before, right? Right. Yeah, it's only 10 games, right? Um, it's only five home, five away, I believe. So it's not that much, but it's most likely going to be a major hit for these clubs which is insane, but they know what they're getting into. So I guess that's, I, I guess the point where it saves everyone is that everyone knows what they're getting into. Um, has this been forced, let's say, um, to start the structure? Maybe it has, um, because where do clubs, if there's no full professional season or semi-pro season or a longer season that's not sanctioned by U.S. soccer, and those clubs can join the professional sanctioned leagues, where do those big clubs go? They, they don't go anywhere. They stay and play a shortened season with college players. And Detroit CFC, they need to make their fans happy, so they need to take this next step up. 
And I think there's rumors going around that they're going to join NISA eventually. They have an investor and they're going to join NISA. So I don't know how true that is. Um, but I think that was reported by Bob Williams. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, lower division soccer is changing every single day. The landscape is, is changing for sure. And uh, I hope the Cosmos have a great place to play eventually. Um, where we're at our level, I believe. We produce a show, First Team Targets produce a show, where I think we were talking about it's in your Cosmos too big for U.S. soccer, is in your Cosmos too big for the NPSL, or whatever. And, and, and then you have fans coming at you saying, oh, you guys are, are this, or you guys are that. And it's like, well, the Cosmos are a, a big brand, right? We're not being arrogant, or we're not being rude to all our supporters. Um, I, I remember Detroit CFC fans or some podcaster for them cooked up one of my shows and posted on social media and was saying, oh, how is this guy saying this? But it's like, we're not like Yankee supporters or Manchester City fans. You know what I mean? Like, we're not arrogant. Or, like, we don't think that we're like a big club on the field, let's say. You know what I mean? Like, we think that our brand is massive and we deserve to be at a higher level you know what i mean like that's all we're saying yeah we lost the final and maybe on the field we're not better than miami fc but i i think if you take the closed league structure we deserve to be at, at a higher level our owner has the money it's just up to um politics basically it's up to yeah. the lawsuit and say who is the lawsuit what happens does rocco does he um close everything down and say, I'm done with this. I'm not going to fund a NPSL league anymore or a team in the NPSL. Yeah. Um, or does yeah. he start his own league in um, the amateur sanction division? You know what I mean? So I think it's insane, um, but I think we're going to find an answer hopefully soon. For those who you know think they understand the Cosmos and their history or, or who – or just too young to understand it maybe, or only know the Cosmos from the MPSL, I encourage them to go watch Once in a Lifetime. Uh, it's yeah, a yeah. fantastic movie that gives true, I, I think, a good grasp of what the Cosmos were in the 60s and 70s in mm-hmm. this country. And it is truly remarkable to even to think that something like that existed in this country uh, at that time. And I've I've watched it probably two or three times, and still I'm in disbelief every time to recognize how big soccer was, and specifically Mm -hmm. the Cosmos were at that time. I mean, they really were the Real Madrid of that time. When you went down the list of players that were on that team, it was simply incredible. Now, we can talk about what, you know, what they did with no salary cap and that sort of thing. But yeah. the product they put out on the field and what they meant to New York and and soccer in this country is nothing short of absolutely remarkable. Yeah, and what I want to add to that is that I have watched that multiple times. You can find that on YouTube as well. I went to last time. But um, the one thing that I can never understand is you watch a documentary and – players that are well-known, the big-name players. But then you also have local stars that are not big-name, but are important to the Cosmos history. And um, the, one, the one thing that I can never get my mind around is that those players at the time were big stars, um, and everyone loved them, and then now we just forget about them. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe Shep Messing and Beckenbauer and Pelé get all, 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 all the attention, all the highlights and everything, right? We talk about them, we, we, we want to interview them. But... If you go on the list and you see what these people are doing now, it's like one guy is a real, um, I think he's selling cars somewhere. 
in Florida who's a real estate agent. And it's shocking to see how people and um, are at the top of their game and then out of nowhere, yeah, they have to make a living and they need to live their life. But across the world, there's big-name players. There's older players that are coaching that are commentators that are still involved in the game somehow. And I think that's something that we need to change in, in the U.S. soccer is that why don't we keep our guys around? Maybe if they're not playing, they're coaching, they're commentators, they're academy coaches. Now we have Wayne Rooney that might go back to England and play in the second division, right? And be a player coach with Derby County. So um, that's what I'm trying to say is that people should be more involved rather than, say, U.S. soccer or state within U.S. soccer pushing people out just because they don't like the Cosmos or they don't like the NASL or the former NASL. Because there's most likely a lot of people in U.S. soccer that don't like the Cosmos. You have Steve Malik. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet, but Steve Malik, he owns North Carolina FC in the USL, and most likely he is a hated person in the NASL camp for sure. Um, And he tweeted tweeted a picture because Chiraco, he bought Fiorentina in Serie A, right? So he bought Fiorentina, and um, they went to play in the uh, International Champions Cup in the United States. And they played in North Carolina, I think at the Carolina Panther Stadium, right? Yeah. And they were playing, um, I think they were playing Arsenal. Yeah. I don't know if they won or lost. I think they probably lost. So Steve Malley was at the game because I think he wants a major league soccer club or he wants North Carolina FC in major league soccer. And um, yeah. he uh, took a picture from where he was sitting. I don't think he was sitting in a suite or in some sort of VIP area. He had normal seats, right? And he tweeted something like, I don't see any triple shirts around me. Right, so I took that as a dig at Rocco Camiso as I don't see any purple shirts around me. As your club is not big enough, there's no fans here. You know what I mean? That's how I took that tweet, and I think that's the sad part is that you have people, you have very rich people that want their clubs to be successful, but why should there be infighting against NPSL and the higher ranks in U.S. soccer or the higher ranks in Major League Soccer? But, you know, if we're one court decision away from blowing the thing wide open, which you can say, people can say whatever they want to, like bring a lot in, but really, I think only a legal decision is going to bring the system down. But we've got, we've got matches this weekend to, talk, to, yeah. um, to kind of think about. And, and before I let you go, uh, John, if, if, you know, what, what are you, kind of, what are your kind of final thoughts about, about the match this weekend with CFC and what will you be looking for from the and Cosmos? Give us a prediction too. Yeah. So, um, I guess we don't really know what to expect from, uh, the first game, um, in the members cup. We don't know what to expect because uh, we played you guys in the final, right? And we guys beat you. Um, but that was our B team, right? Even though we're still called New York Cosmos B, that was, Truly, our B team. Uh, so now we have our first team, let's say, as a B team, which is sad, and I think. But yeah, I just think we we don't know what to expect from the Members Cup as a structure on the field. But yeah, I'm going to go the Cosmos win, of course. I don't know how it's going to go down, but I think we're going to win eventually. Um, I'm going to go with two one near Cosmos. All right. Well, John, why don't why don't you tell the folks where they can find you mm-hmm. on social media or where they can find your podcast? Yeah, so you can follow First Team Podcast on Twitter, Facebook at First Team Pod, and you can check out our website, firstteampod.com, that's firstteampod.com, and uh, that's where you can find our blog, um, our latest podcast, and it's all information on the New York Cosmos um, 
from an independent point of view, where I think it's very important, is that um, we're not influenced, let's say, by the neurocosmos or by neurocosmos management. Some people think we are. That's, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people think we are, but we're not. We're fully independent. And, um, yeah, so we tell it as it is. All right. Well, thank you. Know, it's, it's been a it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, you know, this is something that Todd and I are trying to start going into the Members Cup season, and hopefully, if we find out where we're going in the future, trying to talk with folks who are associated with the the clubs that we're going to be playing to bring an idea of of the team to our fans uh, that might not you know follow and might not have gotten an opportunity to watch the team. So it's been a pleasure talking with you. I hope we get a chance to talk again, and. Um, you know, I I, I uh, wish good things for the cosmos, and and I hope I hope that uh, that you have a, a great week. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed having you on the podcast, man. Best wishes to you and the cosmos, and uh, hope you send you boys back home with a loss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, John. Okay, man. Thanks. Take care. So again, we'd like to thank John Frusciante for coming onto the program. Again, his podcast is the first team podcast covering all things uh, New York Cosmos. Todd, what did you think of the interview? Did you did you say anything, or what was your reaction? I think it's interesting that he uh, and I was listening to a podcast he did earlier, but he's genuinely concerned about the future of the Cosmos and you know the direction they're heading. And I think in in our interview, he kind of gives you some of the reasons why. Uh, I think he really, as most of us do, we really want them to win that lawsuit. But the idea of a team with as much, uh, I guess, branding power as they have, I mean, it's not so much the on-field product at this point, but the power that and, and the worth of the brand playing at an NPSL level is, is really concerning. And who knows how long that's sustainable. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of just as concerned as he is. And uh, I guess, too, you know, I, I look at how his view on this weekend coming up and, uh, you know, I kind of I, I hope that they are coming down. Chattanooga. Uh, I think they're still going to be licking their wounds a little bit and I don't think their head's going to be in the right place. Uh, that's that's just me uh, based on, you know, what their cap, the postgame interview with uh, their captain, Danny Zatella. And uh, so they got a lot of sorting out to do over the next uh five days or so before they get down to the scenic city. Yeah. And I know, and I know we had a scrimmage this weekend and it'll be very interesting to see, you know, kind of, you know, if we have some players back and, and kind of what, what team we put out. I mean, it'll probably look a lot like the team that played against Miami. Um, you know, I think you know, with some, with some question marks around some of those injuries. So I, I think it'll be a pretty, um, you know, kind of a pretty experienced team that we put out. And so it's good. You're right. I mean, I, you know, you brought this up on the podcast, on the main podcast uh, about your question about, you know, how, how are they going to take that loss? And I had always figured when I, when I played in my mind, after we lost to Miami, you know, I kind of immediately jumped to that next match. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, what, what's, what are, what are you going to do against the Cosmos? 
And I always in that in my mind, I was always assuming that they would be coming off a win. And and you know he's right. You know he brought up the short time distance between the final and this next match, and you brought it up in the in the main pod that you felt like. You know, normally when you lose a final, you have a, a little bit of time to decompress and, and to think about it. And, you know, that that comment, if 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 you've not if you've not seen it, uh, the comment we're talking about is in Newsday and um, it is it's in the it's in the uh, August 3rd. Um, I think it was printed. In, oh, not printed. It was put out August 3rd. It's an article uh, by Michael Lewis. The title is Top Rate Cosmos Fall to Miami FC and MPSL Final. And there's some comments in there from their captain uh, who really did, who made some mistakes that cost them cost them goals. And, um, you know, he is down. Now, I don't know when the when this was taken, when this interview took place. But uh, so, you know, he, he brought up the mindset and that that would be, that might be more important really than the X's and O's, you know, if you, if you want to use that phrase. Um, and so I, you know, I, I didn't really hadn't thought about that, but he brought it up, you brought it up earlier. And, and so that might, that might be the case. Um, it's going to be interesting to, to see what that's like, you know, and, and, and um, we have a little bit of, we've got a couple of players who were on the field and in, in 15 for that final. And I know they'll, they'll want, you know, they'll want to get a little bit of revenge for what that's worth. I mean, you know, I'd rather win a final than a members cup game, but you know, they, uh, they might be able to enact a little revenge too. So either way, I'm going to be there and, uh, I think you're going to be there and hopefully there will be seven or 8,000 Chad Nugans there to, to watch. Um, and so I think that'll be it for this kind of special, this special edition. Again, our intent is to, to bring you, interviews with folks from visiting clubs and uh, to kind of get their take on the upcoming matches. And we'll try to do that and kind of fold that into the regular podcast. We just did this one special to kind of preview the segment. And, um, and again, it was an opportunity to talk with John during the week. So Todd, any, any final thoughts before we log off tonight and, and, and just wrap up? Now I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Like I said uh, in our earlier podcast this week, really look for Chad to show up and uh, and fill up uh, Finley. And uh, don't forget, we got that post match. Uh, hopefully, it's a post match rave because I really want the boys to come home with a win. Like bold prediction here, maybe I, I I'm going to say two zero CFC. Wow. I just don't see. Well, I just don't see Cosmos turning okay. around. Uh, remind me again. Remind me again what the scoreline was between New York and Miami. It was three-one. And what was the scoreline between Miami and CFC? Two-nil. Uh, okay, so we're not talking about a huge no, no, discrepancy uh, here in score. And it's and it's very difficult. When you watch the game. Uh, I just don't. I just don't see the. Uh, there's just not that uh, huge gap in talent from one team to the other. And I think uh, the big equalizer is going to be them turning around off a, off a uh, coming off the final loss. Uh, the comments by the captain and uh, and CFC being at home. Yeah, I, I, that that will so. certainly play a role. But we're going to have to be very organized. The back line is going to have to play really well. We can't let we can't let runners run. You know, kind of the you know, the outside backs for or the wingers for them. We we cannot allow them to run behind our line and, and get crosses in. You know, we're pretty good in the air with Lima and Dunstan, but um, you know that. Uh, the a goalie who's like the, I want to say he might be Albanian and he may be the team captain for the national for the Albanian national team. 
he was quick and he he just ripped up Miami uh down the down their right side and so uh you know he he was the player that really st- stood out to me um you know they you know they had the national player of the year and they had you know their captain is a is a is a you know, kind of well traveled player but but he really he really impressed me down that right no, excuse me down their left side to be our defensive right and so that's what I'm going to be watching to see see you know how much how much help Soren gets uh, from the midfield and um, we're just going to be very we just need to be very organized and and probably be willing to absorb some pressure and not come out and play maybe as much as we might normally do with uh, with other teams so. Yeah, it's not going to surprise me if Coach Elliott's had a good chance to game plan. And there's some, uh, obviously, he got a chance to sit there and watch the yeah. final uh, against Miami. And that, there you go, there's your common opponent. So he knows exactly what Miami yeah. has. And so he can sit there and break down that game and, and hopefully uh, put together a good plan going forward. Yeah. So, so hey, come join us at uh, post match, uh, immediately post match of uh, the Cosmos game, regardless of the outcome but we're going to say it's a cfc victory uh come over there and visit we'll be recording the post-match uh rant uh we've uh, kind of established a little place upstairs there so come up and say hi and uh we'll get that uh that post game out as quickly yep that'll be at the chattanooga brewing company right next to the stadium so after after the match just come over and and kind of sit and chat and uh eventually you know normally the players and the coaches come over and and talk and so it's a good it's a good atmosphere some good food and some good drink. So, uh, so join us over there as we record. Hopefully, a happy, uh, a happy edition of our post-match rave or rant, depending on result. But again, so that that'll be it for tonight, and uh, we'll see you after CFC Cosmos. Go CFC. Go Blues. Oh, it's gone! Oh, got him! What a shot from Wilshire. Off the other side, the crossbar. Nice little chip. Oh, Mr. Oliveira with a cheeky goal. Oh, 